Today's guest on the John Talks podcast is Zach Brazilier. Zach is a college sports reporter for the New York Post. He covers national stories, and locally he covers the St. John's men's basketball team. A couple of weeks ago, he wrote a story titled Inside Rashid Jordan's Fight for Basketball Redemption After Prison, which is pretty self-explanatory. Jordan was a point guard for two seasons with the Red Storm and left the program after Steve Lavin was let go following the 2014-15 season. He was then arrested and charged with attempted murder after a stick-up went awry. Jordan pleaded guilty to aggravated assault and served three and a half years in prison. During that time, he lost his mother. He was released four months ago and has been a motivational speaker to local schools in the Philadelphia area and playing semi-pro basketball with the Camden Monarchs. Anyway, I caught up with Zach to get into the nuts and bolts of the story, pick his brain about some Steve Lavin, and Chris Muller era questions that I felt really weren't covered as much, so I won't have you wait any longer. Here is Zach Brazilier. How did you come up with the idea? Who approached you about uh, approaching Rashid Jordan? How did it all come about? Well, you know, I, I had kind of heard about um, the, you know, obviously I covered St. John's, and so I knew he was he was in jail. And, you know, he his Instagram was still active. I think it was his, like, his mom before she passed, and then brothers did stuff. And then I saw he got out, and I saw basically, like, a few weeks later, the Philly Inquirer did a piece on him getting out. And, you know, I was kind of interested, but I kind of wanted to let it play out. You know, um, I felt like I wanted to kind of see how he did for a few months before we really did a story. And then someone on news side was interested. I was kind of busy with other stuff. And our news side was like kind of looking into it, doing something. And then for whatever reason, they didn't. And then they and I was like, you know what, if, if you don't end up doing something, I'm going to do it because my schedule had opened up. And they had already talked to the owner of the team who like kind of had, you know, become kind of an advisor for him of sorts. And the owner basically set everything up. I reached out to the owner and was really interested in the story. I think he's trying to do as much publicity as possible just to get his story out. And, you know, that's kind of went from there. And they're like, you know, you could come to a game, you could talk to him before the game. And, you know, that's really kind of how it, uh, how it went. Now we know, I mean, when I was in college and my senior year, I think was his freshman year and there was a gag order from St. John's um, to basically keep him away from the media. And I don't know who exactly was responsible for that. I'd assume it had to do with the coaching staff and the SID at the time. But um, I know that you were one of the vocal uh, writers out there uh, saying that, you know, he should be speaking to the media. And uh, obviously he had a whole laundry list of reasons why maybe he shouldn't have been speaking to him. So before we get into that, what were your impressions of actually, you know, getting a chance to talk to him post St. John's? Uh, yeah, he was good. I mean, he did talk once the, uh, his sophomore year when they were in the NCAA tournament, you know, the NCAA has this, has these rules that say all, you know, every student athlete has to be available. And I made sure that's that he was made available. You know, I talked to the NCAA be like, look, this, they haven't let this kid talk for two years. You guys have rules. So the NCAA made them bring him to the press conference and uh, for the NCAA tournament. And so, like, the whole press conference was just me and another reporter asking him questions, uh, which was, you know, I guess a little weird. But, um, yeah, I mean, he was good. You know, I mean, look, he's not a college kid anymore. and You know, he's been through a lot. And so he has a lot of things to talk about. And, um, you know, 
he was he was good. He was open, and you know he there was really nothing he wouldn't talk about. Look, he's he's trying to get his story out, so I think he's he's being very you know he's very media friendly at the moment. Um, but yeah, he was uh, very very talkative and very good. So then. So you, like you said, the post talked to the owner. You got a chance to to speak to the owner and set up things. Then you speak to Rashid. Um, are, do you then reach out to Kamal Yard, or do you reach out to Stan Laws? Like, or are they all there at the time when you speak to them? What's well, no, the so well, Stan. Like? Well, no, Stan Laws is coaching the team. Right. So, um, I, you know, when I was there for the game, I talked to him while I was there. Kamal is someone I've had kind of a relationship with. And I had reached out to him, you know, hey, we're looking to do the story of Rashid. And he was kind of hard to get a hold of. Um, you know, I mean, I had, like, basically before the story ran, I had been out there like four, five, six weeks before. So, like, the interview was a long time before the story ran. You know, because of, like, the NCAA tournament and everything, before everything got canceled, I was really busy with that. And so kind of got put on the back burner. And then once everything got canceled, I kind of had time to really sit down and work on it. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, when I was out there, I talked to, to Stan Laws, Kamal, I told, you know, he knew I was going to do the story. I had a relationship with him from when Rashid committed to St. John's and, you know, we texted here and there. Um, he was a little harder to get, but eventually I got him and that, you know, it kind of went from there. What were some things that were left on the cutting board floor that didn't make into the story, but were still interesting in your eyes? You know, I wasn't able to go – didn't go as in-depth maybe on um, St. John's. And, you know, he he talked a lot about – you know, I obviously I went into the Lavin stuff, but he talked a lot about how there were a lot – he talked to a lot of former players like, like Har- D'Angelo Harrison and um, Phil Green and, and Sir Dominic Pointer and even the assistant coaches. You know, it just didn't really necessarily make sense to get all that in. I thought the Lavin stuff was probably the best from the St. John's perspective. Um, that he still talks, but I thought that was some pretty good stuff. You know, some of his basketball stuff that I just didn't feel like was that noteworthy, you know, him talking about like where he was physically, you know, how he was feeling on the court. Cause to me, it's more of a story of his redemption and, um, you know, he, you know, being on the straight path and can he stay on this path? I think, look, I, I don't think he's ever going to make the NBA. But I think I think if he can get through this okay and, and stay on the straight and narrow, I think he has a chance to make decent money overseas. You know, he's still a talented player. He's still only 25 years old. Um, but the question is, can he, you know, is he is he be able to kind of live, a, you know, get a, not get back into trouble, you know, and fall into bad habits? I found it really interesting that Lavin still kept in touch with him and even visited him uh, when he was in prison. Uh, was that surprising to you? Like, had you spoken to Lavin in between, you know, when you covered him when he was the St. John's coach and had informal conversations about Rashid or anything like that? Um, yeah, no, me and Lavin did not get along very well, especially by the end of his tenure at St. John's. Um, I always felt that the coaching staff wasn't strict enough with the kid and that they didn't do him any favors. Looking back now at everything, I, I think I was, I was a little off there. Um, I think they did everything they thought was in the kid's best interest. 
and it was just out of their power. And I was very impressed that that Lavin went to see the kid. That Lavin still is so, you know, the kid really likes him. He's really still a factor in his life, and he's really helping him. Um, I, I was I was very impressed. That was one of the to me that was like one of the most eye opening things about the story was how Lavin is still a factor in his life, and that. You know, he's done a lot of things with this kid that he really didn't have to do, which to me speaks volumes about his character um, as a as a person. Well, I think the one interesting thing about Lavin, too, is that he wasn't afraid to suspend his players at any junction of the year. Point, um, yeah. And, and you know, D'Angelo Harrison had every reason to say, well, forget about this. I'm going to get out of here. Um, you know, I'm going to prove St. John's wrong and, and go on my own path. And he chose to stay. You know, uh, Jakar Sampson reopened his recruitment. Um, Chris Obekba wanted to transfer a million times, um, you know, but but it always seemed like most of those players came back and, and went to war for Lavin. I don't know if, you know, I don't know exactly how to put it into words, but it seemed as if while the results weren't exactly what everyone had hoped that they would be in NCAA tournaments more than they were in NIT tournaments, um, but his players did have his back. At least that's how I felt on the outside. Yeah, I, look, they all still swear by him. I don't think there's any doubt that, you know, he really created a family atmosphere there. I, I agree. Look, they, they should have been better than they were. Uh, that last team, if they had any depth, would have to me would have been better. They would have, you know, his ju- the, 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 the year that Harrison and Pointer and Green were all juniors, that team to me was should have been a Sweet 16 team. They didn't even make the tournament. That team was loaded. But, yeah, look. I always think the most important thing for a coach, a college basketball coach, is how hard those guys play for him and what kind of relationships does he develop with them. And I think you can really make the argument that, you know, Lavin in both of those ways was was very good. So I want to go back, though, to what you said, though. Um, You know, obviously taking the personal relationship aside, um, I felt at least when I was at St. John's, you know, just being part of the student publications, I wasn't going to get the access um, that maybe the post of the Daily News or any sort of major publication would get, and rightfully so. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be treated any differently. But I was curious, did you have any background or maybe off-the-record conversations about what the deal uh, with uh, gagging Rashid was, or did you learn anything at the time um, that, you know, you, you could share now? Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's all stuff people have kind of known, but it was just, you know, the kid had a lot of – there were a lot of things going on in his life, you know? And they thought doing media stuff would be a distraction, you know, and, you know, he, he lost one of his close friends, you know, right before his freshman year. The mom was always sick. You know, he had the aunt who was killed uh, that February of, I think, his freshman year. You know, there was always something going on in his life. He was always home in Philadelphia. And they just, you know, laughing. I think it was mostly laughing. I, I don't think it was a. SID thing. I think it was Lavin just felt it was, you know, they were doing everything possible to just give this kid as much of a normal life as possible. And they felt like him talking to the media and having old things drudged up and asked about him would, would not, was in his best interest, you know? And I don't know if that's right or wrong, but looking back now, I think it's hard to blame them for how they, how they tried to shield him. Yeah. I, I thought it would have been interesting to say maybe, you know, Lavin just comes up to either you or, or Roger Rubin or, you know, the Daily News and just says, all right, listen, I'll give you Rashid, both of you, 15 minutes, ask what you got to ask, and then that's it. You know, I don't know if that could have been a way that they could have gone about it or, 
the way that they did. Um, it, it certainly didn't seem to affect him on the court, though. He was always he was always a good player. He's, you know, had his inconsistencies, but he was still a young player. Um, but I don't think it affected him too much. Yeah, I mean, to me, he... I think there was... Look, I he was a decent player. He should have been better. The kid had lottery pick talent. And I think when I say should have been better... I, I don't, I'm not, it's not, that's not a knock on him. It's not a knock on the coaches. It's just, just the reality is he, there were always distractions for him, you know? Um, to me, the, he was a decent player at St. John's. He could have been a whole lot better. He had all the talent in the world. He just, you know, he just, I, I'm really, I'm, I'm convinced, I'll always be convinced that if he would have went to UCLA, he would have been the top 15 pick. If he would have went there where he couldn't come home all the time, where, all the other stuff could it be a distraction, you know, living, going to school like two hours away from his home was, was not, look, it was better than him going to Temple, but, you know, two hours away from home where he could go home all the time was just the worst thing in the world. He even kind of said it in the interview. He said, you know, if I would have went to UCA, maybe I would have been what I was supposed to be. I can't, and, I'm, and that's not knocking Lavin or the coaching staff at all. It's just the reality of the situation that he – being in Philadelphia was a distraction. Being having that so close there was a distraction. Maybe if he was in California, it still would have been. Maybe he would have always been thinking about it. And, you know, the kid had a tough life. I, I just think not being home all the time would have just really helped him. I think the other thing, too, and you mentioned it, too, let's say he goes to UCLA. Um, in your article, there was another uh, Bleacher Report article a few years ago when he first um, was arrested. Um, but the, the common theme was is that he felt responsible for his siblings, and he felt like the father figure. So I don't know if UCLA would have exactly been the ideal fit. Like you said, he still could have been you know, distracted about what's going on back home and whatnot. But but I'm with you on that, on that front, too. Maybe it wouldn't have been as much of a – as much of a distraction. My other question in terms of Rashid is, um, let's say in a perfect world, he finds a way to get eligible after Lavin is uh, let go from St. John's. Did, did Chris Mullen, did it ever seem like Chris Mullen was willing to take a chance on him? Did Mullen just want his own guys in there? And it could have been Jordan, it could have been Obekba, but what was your sense of that? Yeah, I mean, they 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 wanted him, but they wanted he he had to adhere to all their his to Mullen's rules, and you know I I just I just don't think it would have worked. I I no I don't think it was like they wanted him out. There was a time where there, the thought that was he was going to be there, but it just wouldn't have made sense. Uh, it just it was just too far gone. It just it was just not going to fit. It just wasn't. Uh, you know he. Yeah, I like. I don't. It wasn't like they say new staff was like, all right, we want to get rid of you. It was, you know, they wanted him. And, you know, we we would like you back, but you gotta have to adhere to these rules. And you know, it just to me, it just was never gonna work. Right. And I know we're rehashing old wounds, and I know St. John's fans are happy with Mike Anderson, <laughs> or for the most part, happier with Mike Anderson now. Yeah. But you know, I've always just had questions that I wanted to ask. You know, reporters that were around the scene at the time when I was in college or just got out of college particularly about the, the, the Lavin era. And, you know, you and I have a mutual friend, Theo, and that's how I think, you know, we sort of, and, you know, I, I know a bunch of the Five Borough guys um, as well. But I was always curious with you, um, and I think I asked you this once or something, but I want to expound upon it. So after St. John's gets eliminated in the first round of the NCAA tournament uh, to San Diego State and former Johnny Gray, Dwayne Poley, um, I think you had lunch or breakfast with Lavin the next day. 
Well, no, it, it was it was okay. like me, me and Roger Rubin like got invited to the hotel to talk to Lavin and a few of the seniors. Okay. And and what was that like? Not not the seniors because obviously they're they're heartbroken. Their careers are over. They're moving on. Um, but for Lavin, who was facing, you know, his job was in jeopardy. Extension talks had just broken off, regardless of what he said. Even right. I had sources in there that said that it had broken off. Um, what was he like? You know, I, I think he was optimistic that he could, at least he, he tried to put off that he was optimistic to us that he would be back. Um, you know, I've, I've since learned a lot about what happened then that, I think he knew he wasn't coming back, but he wanted to at least put a brief face to try to convince people that he was. Um, I mean, I, to me, Lavin would have had to go on a run to, to save his job. The, the the president wanted to hire Chris Mullen. You know, when Chris came back in February for the Hall of Fame, I, I mean, I was told there was basically a handshake agreement that he was going to be the next coach, barring something crazy with him and the president. So, you know, I, I think the writing was on the wall. Um, even though Lavin tried to portray otherwise. And do you think, and this might just be me convoluting my own conspiracy theories, but, you know, you could even see with Lavin, too, on the sideline, he wore that quarter zip with the suit that just looked awful, but it basically just gave off the appearance of, hey, I'm not this stylish coach anymore. It looked like he was packing it in on that end. He stopped recruiting in New York City. I think Isaiah uh, Whitehead was, was you know, the, the crown jewel, at least locally, right. and he ends up going over to Seton Hall, uh, and then Lavin jokes about it when he was on Fox Sports 1. Uh, oh, well, you know, Isaiah knew that I was gone. I don't particularly know that Isaiah knew that he was gone. I think Lavin knew he was gone. Um, but what, what do you think of that? You know, I, I think there are a lot of factors in what happened with Lavin. I think his, his health, obviously, and cancer was, huge, was a, obviously a huge factor, you know, they could have had Rico gather, you know, they had, they had, they had a verbal commitment for Rico gathers and then Lavin got sick and that, that fell through. And, you know, there's a lot of things I think that, you know, that kind of went sideways with him. His first few years, he was great. You know, he was bringing in big time players and, and, you know, he, he just, he stopped working like he, he had been, um, you know, I, so I do think being sick was, was a huge, was a huge thing. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, he, he lost, he lost, you know, he lost people close to him as well. I think that was a, you know, didn't help either. Um, so I, I think those two, those two things were, were pretty significant and, you know, it was clear. He didn't look, he didn't work the same. He didn't work his last two years nearly like he did his first two years. I don't think there's any doubt, but I also, and look, I'm, I've always been a critic of his, but, I don't think there's any doubt you got to give him credit for him to say John's at the time. Nobody really wanted to. He made two NTA tournaments in what was it? Five years. Mm-hmm. He made two other NITs. I mean, he wasn't that bad. You know, I, you know, I, he, he really wasn't, you know, he, he really improved the, the, um, I guess, I guess the brand of the program, you could say, you know, in terms of what he was able to do, he brought in big players. I think, I think he kind of showed, you know, a formula for St. John's because nowadays most New York city kids are going to prep school. Anyway, they don't go to school here. A lot of the kids want to go to the other part, you know, go to the big campuses, the big schools, but he also showed that, you know, New York city, if you do it right, is enticing to kids who aren't from here. 
You know, you got guys, you got D'Angelo Harrison from Houston. You got Phil Green from Chicago. You got, you know, Jakar Samson from Cleveland. Um, yes, he got a few, you know, Mo Harkless was from here, obviously. And, you know, so he showed you can get some top players who aren't from here. And, you know, Mullen and his staff did that to an extent, you know, a little bit too. Um, so, I, you know, I think, I think, you know, in the years to come, we're going to look back at the Lavin era a lot differently than maybe we looked at it during the time and right afterwards. I think we're going to look back at it and say, this guy actually did a pretty good job, you know, and look, I, and, and this is coming from someone who wasn't a fan of his at all and really clashed with him. So I, you know, I, you know, I, it'll be, I, I don't think the, I don't think the school made the wrong decision apart ways with them. I think they made the wrong hire. I, I, I thought Danny Hurley, he would have taken that job in a heartbeat. Um, I think that was the guy they should have hired, but clearly the president wanted to be the ones that bring Chris Mullen back. And now, now to me, they have their first really good coach in a long time. I think Mike Anderson's really good. I mean, he's a true basketball coach who does it the right way, who works hard, who has a good staff and had a pretty, you know, for all, for considering what they had, I thought they had a pretty decent first year. Yeah, no, and I, I'm 100% in agreement with you. I think, and the thing with Lavin, too, he was so dynamite his first two years, right? He brings the team to the NCAA tournament. They beat everybody at the Garden that year, and not only beat them, they pulverize them, um, except Syracuse, of course. But, you know, so, so that happens. Um, you know, then he brings in, I think they were the number three recruiting class, right, behind Duke and Kentucky at the time. So, you know, for Lavin, at least in his corner was, hey, I just turned this, you know, I've just brought this team to the NCAA tournament. I've got a great recruiting class. We should be on the rise. And he just never delivered there. But another thing that you brought up, too, that I think um, has been uh, one of the problems with St. John's is that, you know, the new president wanted to bring in Chris Mullen and wanted to bring back that alumni base. And St. John's, it just seems that they always wax poetic on 1985. And, you know, it's 2020 now. At the time, it was, what, 2015? right? So 30 years after the fact, you know, right. from 1986 to 2010, what was really going on for St. John's? They didn't really have a heyday. They didn't have a Lou Carnesecca. And I think some of the problems with the athletic department is they just, they're stuck in the eighties and it doesn't work like that anymore. I don't know if you still see that as a writer or, but I think that's their biggest problem is that they, they, they haven't really adapted with the times. Lavin might've been the closest guy before Anderson, um, but I'm not exactly sure how they go about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fair. It's fair. I mean, you know, it's it's definitely fair. I mean, look, I think they just leave. They have a good. They finally have a good athletic director. They have a good coach. They just leave these two guys alone. The best to be in two through two years. This this will be a top twenty-five basketball program. Just leave these two guys alone, and they they these guys know how to win. Just just leave them alone, and they will and they will do fine. You know, there's always this, you know, I I think we see it in all sports. It's always like, we got to, for franchise or college, we have to go back to our hate it. No, just win. That's all that you have to do. You win and everything else takes care of itself. Right. Um, what do you, What is it like covering Mike Anderson? Because he's certainly different from Steve Lavin. He's certainly different from Mullen. So what is it like covering Anderson, even though it's only been one year? You know, he's – very buttoned down and he's uh, very buttoned up. I mean, he's, you know, his press conferences are okay. They're not great. They're okay. You know, he has a way of doing things. He's, you know, he like they're not all out and about sharing information all the time about recruiting. And, 
you know, um, I like the staff. I mean, I think they're, they're very, you know, business-like. I mean, from what I've heard, they're great around campus. They're, you know, he's great with players, developing relationships, making sure they're going to school, going to class. It's, you know, it, they're not flashy, but they're, you know, they're simple. They, they, they want their kids to be good, good, good students, play hard, do the right things. It's, it's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty simple thing. And it's look, if they're not, if you're not great winning games, maybe people don't, it's not going to be, it's not necessarily going to be something people are noticed, but if they win games, no one's going to care that they're kind of boring and dull. And I'm not going to, I'm not saying that they're boring or dull. I just think you said they're not, you know, they're not real big and flashy, you know, but I think this is something that St. John's fans have been waiting for. This program has needed for a long time. Someone who knows college basketball, who's won, who understands what it takes to win, who's knows, you know, who's, you know, he's really given this program an identity of hard work and, you know, playing up tempo, pressing and They really haven't had an identity. They really never had an identity under Mullen. And that to me is something that's the best thing he's done. What have you heard from high school coaches in the New York City area about this coaching staff? Um, I've yet to talk to someone who doesn't like Mike Anderson. I mean, there's nothing not to like. He he's a worker. He's real. He he cares. Um, I mean, you know, it's we're gonna see. You know, it's all about getting players. So that's obviously something that we're gonna have to wait and find out here. Um, but you know, I mean, he's, he's the guy's real and, and that was people like, I'm that. sorry. Right. Yeah. And that was, that was my next question too. So when they were looking for, um, the coach after Chris Mullen, um, it seemed like the slam dunk hire at the time was Tim Clues, right? Tim Clues are, you know, you heard Mike Craig talk about, or, you know, the connection for Craig and, and Bobby Hurley, um, from Arizona state. Uh, my, my, my thing though, is that. You know, New York City head coaches, uh, high school head coaches, they weren't sending their players to St. John's anyway. And I don't know how much of an influence that high school coaches actually have as opposed to AAU uh, coaches or handlers or things like that. Like, for instance, you know, I don't think Cole Anthony, Moses Brown were ever going to St. John's. Uh, Maybe if this was 1985, maybe there's a chance. Um, But I don't think that would have happened. Um, You know, what did you – what was the sense when when Lavin and and Mullen were in charge um, from those high school coaches? Like, why, why did they just not send their kids to St. John's? I mean, it depends. I mean, there's every situation is really different, honestly. It's some, you know, some of it is they weren't putting in the time. Some of it was the kids just didn't want to stay. You know, you're not, look, it's just the way that it is now. It's just different. It's like, for very few kids is St. John's their dream school. These kids haven't grown up with St. John's winning. They've grown up with St. John's kind of being irrelevant. So, they, you know, these kids want to go to Kentucky and Duke and North Carolina and Kansas and Oregon. And, you know, I mean, they're used to traveling all over, and, you know, so it's look, it's different it, to me. I've always said, I've always said this. If St. John's wins, they'll start to get good local players. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. You're starting to see it with Seen Hall and Rutgers now where they're starting to get good good Jersey guys. And you know, I have no doubt that if St. John's win starts to win consistently, they will start getting good local players. The problem is they just haven't won consistently. 
And what do you consider consistently, like over a four or five year good stretch of just NCAA tournament appearances? Make three tournaments in five years. You know, it doesn't have to be crazy. I'm not saying you have to be a top 20 team every year, you know, but, you know, make the tournament two out of every three years. Start, at least start there, you know, and, and then go from there. Okay. Well, listen, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I, I really enjoyed the story about Rashid and all of that. Um, you know, it stinks that the, the, the whole virus is shutting down a season to see what exactly could have happened with him in Camden and all of that. But, um, you know, just, just to tail back on that before, before we let go, um, you know, a, any other, you know, impressions from, from the Rashid Jordan story or, you know, in, in your interactions with him or stories about him? Um, that that we didn't get a chance to see in the story. No, I think we we covered it. Um, you know, it. I, I'm rooting for him. He's a. He seems like uh, you know he never. That's the thing. Thing is, he never got in trouble for this. So it's you know, so some people have kind of dismissed him as you know, you know, trouble kid. No, he's had a tough life at this. It was the first time he ever got in trouble. I hope he's got his head on straight. I really do. You know, um, we'll obviously only we'll see in time, but I, I, I hope that he can make some of his life because I, I still think he can have a career in basketball. I, I don't think the NBA is going to happen, but I do think he can make decent money overseas and at least support his family. All right, perfect. Well, Zach, I really appreciate you taking the time. Stay safe out there, and uh, I look forward to reading whatever you have out next. 